Hi, welcome to the Why and the What Product Management Podcast. I'm Daniel Kahn, and today we're speaking with Aaron Rothschild, who started in product management with Toshiba and Eloqua. Aaron was one of the first team members at Influitive, where he led product. He is once again an early team member as head of product with Likemoji. We explored Aaron's path into product management, how he thinks about product as serving as the voice of the user, and how he builds relationships with other teams outside of product through shared ownership of measurable goals. Hey, Aaron, uh, thanks for chatting today. Hey, Dan, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, exciting to have you on. I'm excited to uh, dig into your journey with product. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into product to begin with? I know you've been doing uh, product management with a number of different organizations over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I take a, a bit of a different path than I think a lot of other product managers I've met and uh, I've come through the customer side of things. So for myself, uh, early on in my career, I started off in a customer support sort of scenario and then moved into product management. Uh, and I was lucky enough to find that path because uh, I'm not sure how else I would have ended up there. Yeah, I think it's um, it's cool that that's your journey in because that's uh, my journey into this space also is coming from the customer side. But I'm obviously uh, pretty new to it and still finding my feet. Um, how do you find that's been a sort of advantage, disadvantage coming from the customer side as opposed to engineering? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I find it uh, a huge advantage. I mean, I think that by my definition, in a way, you know, product management is really being the voice of the customer. And frankly, by just listening to customers all the time on, on the you know customer side of things, it makes it really easy to uh, put the customer voice implicitly within your head and just really think about how would customer X think about what I'm just talking about right now. And I think that that's something that product managers often need to learn as a skill, but it comes naturally to people who come from the customer success and customer support side of things. Well, I certainly appreciate that coming from that space. Hopefully that's uh, an advantage I'll be able to lean on myself as well. Um, you you started out with um, doing product management with uh, Toshiba and Eloqua, and then you were one of the first members of uh, Influitive before moving over to your current role with uh, Likemoji. How did you see uh, product management evolve between those different organizations? Uh, what's uh, changed through the years as you've been working with different teams? Hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question, actually, because it just got my mind going. But uh, I think ultimately today, what's really different is the amount of tools available to product managers, actually, is certainly a big change. Uh, you know, I think thinking back to the day, there was a lot of, you know, Evernote or note-taking apps and a lot of Outlook. Uh, but really, today, there's just so many options in terms of how you do it. Uh, but I think also, you know, obviously a big change from waterfall-style execution to much more agile. Uh, but thinking back to it all, what I've always, you know, said, recognized for a long time, I think, is that there's a time and place for things. And in a product organization, you know, there's a time and place for certain tools and there's a time and place for certain process and a certain amount of not process. So uh, that's what I've recognized over my career 
looking back on things is just, hey, I may have brought that tool in that worked for me really well at this time and place in an organization's history, but it's not the right time for this right now. And recognizing that I think has been, uh, you know, for me, what I've noticed as a, as a, not, I guess, change over the years, but something that you need to be attuned to. Uh, but there's certainly a mu- much larger smorgasbord of uh, product operations applications out there today. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff uh, that's available to us these days. Um, when you're working, I guess, especially with a, a new team and um, you've worked with teams of, of vastly different sizes, do you have a, a toolkit that you start to evaluate, even if some of those tools aren't going to be right for the team at this moment for the the current size of the team or for the operations um, process that is being followed are there tools that you are at least looking through a standard kind of list of here are the things that i like to use and evaluating whether or not they'd be right for your current environment yeah i i think you always have to start off with the basics, I think, is, is where I where I start off. It's really easy. I, I usually keep a spreadsheet of the different ser- services and SaaS services that were subscribed to at a company because it's really easy for it to get someone out of hand. And I include free ones in that as well, right? Because um, there's an integration overhead to them. And whether that's like a human integration or whatever it may be. Um, and bring it back to basics, I think is really like a Trello type task board, whether it's, you know, Trello, Asana, that sort of thing. Uh, obviously Google sheets is the lifeblood. I think of any product manager today, uh, just from a collaboration perspective and the toolkit elements of things. Uh, but to me, those are the, the most basic elements of it. Uh, I don't get too caught up in, in exactly what the tools are, but really what kind of problem you're trying to tackle and most often, I just find when I'm coming in, oftentimes it's about prioritization and really getting a bunch of ideas down or things that have been stagnant for a while. And then saying, like, these are actually the things that we need to work on now because those are really important. And, you know, it's most basic Trello just really lets you do that. And then I think tools follow behind that. Uh, obviously, this can take place on a whiteboard or whatever. But uh, that prioritization toolkit is very likely the first tool that you need to figure out. Yeah, tools helping to facilitate process then and really understanding what that process is, is uh, sounds like the, the right way to go about figuring out what you actually need to have in front of you. Um, do you have a process that you prefer to follow? What does uh, the, the team currently follow at uh, Likemoji as far as development and prioritization what what is the sort of overall workflow and process for you as a product manager leader there and the um the overall team sure so i mean i think as a product manager we all go through different cycles where you know you're in early product development cycle versus you know launching the product but at all times you know you you get into different modes where you dive deep onto things and you know just yesterday i came back from a conference where, you know, speaking with a huge variety of people, right, that are all potential customers, prospects, and users of our product, and parsing through a lot of that information that I just pulled, um, you know, out of meeting with all these various awesome people, you know, it takes a lot out. And I think that, but it at the 
the core of it, it also distills down like what is a process and product management. And I think the way you get that voice of the customer out of your notes and out of your discussions and all those various different items is, and, and, you know, artifacts that you come back from, whether it's meeting with customers on site or meeting with them at a conference is making sure that you're pulling the things that you can action on, looking for patterns, um, basically digesting those contents in a variety of ways. I often go back over um, notes, but also think about, you know, how does this relate to other conversations I've had at other conferences recently? And to me, a lot of product management is about pattern matching and how you develop pattern matching, I think is a about gathering a lot of disparate sources of data and in product management. I think that that really ranges from, you know, customer interviews to just casual conversations to, you know, diving deep into data sets to understand like a a problem that you're facing. Uh, But then really pulling that back into a, a framework where you can tie that to whether it's a prospect, a customer, or an internal customer, like an employee, and being able then to divvy that up and slice and dice it um, based on are they someone who's helping to move our software forward like a customer support person? So by fixing this problem, you know, is this something that's going to not just help this one customer, but help um, my own internal customer of, you know, the person who's sitting on on the phone helping people, how can I help them? And so that's one of the things that comes into my process is identifying, you know, which person's going to benefit from this. It may be the support internal organization. It may be our customer, right? Um, and pulling that out and documenting it. There's systems out there, uh, tools that we can talk about later that really help you process it. But at its most fundamental level, you know, you need some metadata that you can pop into a spreadsheet and go from there. But there's tools that make it easier then to tie in like revenue from those customers. And what's the prioritization of our three largest customers? And what do they think are the most important features? And then tying that and saying, well, does any of that overlap with what our sales team is also looking for? By doing that, you know, I think, and and being conscious of it as you're gathering the data at the outside of these conferences and things like that you can then make a more conscious effort to making better prioritized decisions ultimately Um, because using all that metadata to make the better decisions is actually the hard part of product management. Do you find um, that you're typically aligned with the other members of leadership when you're actually going through and picking out what the, uh, the right stories are to work on? Um, How do you actually decide what is most valuable and, and build that alignment with the, uh, the other members of the team that aren't themselves holding a, uh, a product title role. Sure. I think, I think there's two parts to that. I think that there's an element of first coming to agreement that there is, you know, what is the fundamental problem or are we all looking through this through the same lens? You know, oftentimes in product managers too, we, we come to a, a pre-solution, right? And I think, keeping our minds open to what the problem really is uh, and then acting as a way of saying, Hey, all of us as a leadership team, can we all agree that this is the fundamental problem here? I think that sometimes 
that's a step in itself, right? Of Because it's everybody on the leadership team is getting inputs from various different places. Customer success leader is obviously getting it from the front lines, you know, but even like the finance team may have things that are impacting um, the product. And when you all look through it through the same lens, it makes it much easier to identify the things that probably the product team should be working on. Because I think sometimes it gets uh, down to features and functions. Um, but by looking to the rest of the team and getting aligned on that, um, you come up with product solutions that kind of often fit the problem much better. Uh, so I'm not sure if that answered the question there. I kind of veered off in a, in a bit there. Yeah, I think so. It's um, It sounds like it's just making sure that you've got as a starting point that collective understanding of the problem space. What is it that you're you're trying to solve? And then you can sort of focus in on getting the right data and understanding the right stories from the, the various customers and users to align on what the best priorities are for the, the organization. Um, wanted to ask a little bit about um, process from a, a development perspective. Um, do you follow, it sounds like you, you have over the course of your career moved more towards an agile process. Are you following anything formal like a, a scrum or, or Kanban process with your team at the moment? Uh, it's much more Kanban right now. Uh, in the past, I, you know, I just find depending on the size of the team or teams that are being, you know, working together, kind of uh, definitely influences that. But right now it's really Kanban focused where, hey, what's, uh, what do we need this week? Because I met at a conference about this person with this person about this. So we're going to going to need to talk about that and uh, having that flexibility is pretty much the stage that we're at here at like moji so uh, that that's the mode that i'm in right now but certainly um i think when there's inter-team dependencies is when it really becomes like a, a different story altogether and that becomes more difficult yeah okay that's that's interesting and the the size of the uh the like moji team do you feel like that influences it i think you came from larger teams at the pa- in the past um certainly you saw the early stage days of influitive but um by the time you made your move over to like moji it was a a much larger organization um do you feel like team size is, is part of the influence on that i think you were just saying that oh yeah i mean uh team team size is a really interesting component of you know the development process uh i think what sticks out to me is recognizing, you know, when a smaller team is better and when, you know, you may need to throw more, throw more resources at something. Um, and I think it's not always defined by, you know, we need more front end or more back end developers on this, but what type of problem it is and what type of developers can really help kind of crack that problem, uh, which I think isn't often taken into account so much. It's more of like a resourcing type of issue where people are just, Hey, we have an API team and there's five people on it. And there's a, you know, front end process team. And there's five people on that too, because that's how many people we have. But I think having dynamic teams that you can kind of bring together based on certain problems that the company's facing can be really effective is what I've kind of found, uh, to be the case, not just purely based on number of team members in it, but what are their qualities and what do they excel at? 
having that flexibility certainly seems to align with that that agile mindset to deal with the problem of the moment that brings the most value forward. Um, you've mentioned a, a number of different kinds of engineering roles that are involved in the process. Uh, what is the the makeup of the the team that you find yourself working with um, as head of product at Likemoji? Who um, who are you spending the time with uh, during your day? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, as uh, employee five here at Likemoji, we're, we're really small. Uh, you know, I've worked in companies like Eloqua and Fluidive where there's a couple hundred people. Uh, but my day-to-day with my developers right now are uh, really, you know, very agile, very uh, casual, frankly, right? It's it's more about, hey, when I was speaking with customer XYZ about this, this is what's come up. These are some of the problems we've faced. Um, the team is generally more in sync about those things and it's less of a distraction. But at the same time, you know, being a small startup, limited resources, we have a strong list of things that need to be done, you know, in the next little while. And so in a way, it really is great. It forces prioritization. Um, sometimes that's really hard and you end up spreading the peanut butter too thin is what I like to say sometimes where you, you take a, you know, like when you take a bite of a peanut butter sandwich, at what point is it no longer a peanut butter sandwich? Because, you know, it's, it's a giant sandwich, but there's, there's nothing really to taste. So I, 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 I like to focus with my developers today on just what are the issues that we're encountering that we need to conquer in the next month, let's say. And it's not so much about road mapping, but it's really just about engaging with our developers, you know, with Steve and Ben and trying to figure out, uh, Hey, did anything change from last week when we were talking? And, uh, that agility just makes it really possible for us to thrive, frankly. And um, other than the the developers themselves and uh, yourself as uh, product, who's involved in the um, product planning process as you're deciding what the next key feature is to build, or if there's a a bug that's becoming more and more of a pain in the uh, the side of customers that needs to be dealt with? Um, who else has been involved in that process with you? So it's usually. It's me plus, depending, uh, you know, if it's a mobile app bug or if it's a web bug, depending on who's involved, that's kind of how we split our, you know, our two developers that we've got here. But at the same time, you know, bugs and confusion points and sticking points and friction points, those are all things that are really important to all of us. And so actually my CEO, you know, we'll have conversations on a daily basis going over what are some of the key parts that are really like slowing down adoption or, you know, impeding how we explain our product to people? Those are really important things. And so it's, it's not just me and it's not just our developer, but really all of us at, at like Moji involved in it. And um, when you're working with uh, those other stakeholders, um, there's, there's certainly various scopes of who's responsible for what, how do you um, build relationships strongly with engineering and with sales and with the, the other members of leadership as a person in product and help them to understand um, where that value is in, in having a product function? 
Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of great questions in there. I think uh, how do you establish great relationships with people outside of PM is something that's incredibly important to product managers. And I would argue that if you can't do that, you can't really be a great product manager. Uh, I think a product person needs to be externally aware of the various different forces and be very empathetic. And I think that the empathy is often um, put out there as a, as a catchphrase for product managers for their customers. But I think it's so important for product managers to really be empathetic towards their other functions within their organization. I think really understanding what's really hard about developing a product and then launching it is difficult for, for a, typical product manager to necessarily understand unless they're in there in the in the weeds working with the product marketing team and the marketing team to really launch things and to go and support the sales team and make sure that their product is being supported as well uh so i think it's it's something that carries across the entire organization and if you can't establish great relationships with sales, marketing, customer success, and operations, you're going to have a hard time at some point launching a product or ending the life cycle of a product or really gaining the adoption of a product because all of those other units are basically, um, you know, chokeholds to your success. Um, I don't think that I could be successful as a product manager without interfacing very well with those other teams. Um, are there times where I could have done better jobs interfacing with sales, marketing, you know, support all of them for sure. But at the same time, I know that in my career, some of the great relationships I've had with both, you know, sales and marketing have made real differences in our product and, and the success of the company. And I, I think for me, that's, that's, what's really exciting. And the best way of laying that groundwork, I think is trust and credibility. So I'll leave those two kind of big words as just, uh, you know, say, hey, if you can establish that sort of trust and credibility with your sales and marketing team, you can build great relationships upon that. Otherwise, it's really difficult. Yeah, I totally agree that um, having strong relationships with the the other functions and stakeholders and teams is extremely important. Are there sort of any tactical um, approaches that you have to ensuring that you're strengthening those relationships and making sure that you are keeping sales and, and marketing in the loop as um, you're moving forward with product decision making? Sure. I think on a, obviously like touch bases on a very regular basis uh, are super important, but I think having a a relationship that involves uh, a key metric that's shared between departments or organizations in some way is something that really carries it together and, and makes it something that is a habit and makes both, both sides accountable. So when I know that I've committed to, um, you know, selling X number of dollars of this new SKU product that we're going to be rolling out, um, that's something that, you know, just even me tying my horse to gives a sales, you know, 
manager and leader the sense that, hey, product is really hitching their horse to this and is really involved in it. And coming back to that and making sure that we're reporting on, hey, how's this product tracking towards that key metric that both of us agreed to be really important really carries the conversation forward and makes it easy to have those types of relationships because it's built on A, a number, um, but B, also something that you're both really interested in. It's not just like feature A was adopted by 37% of our customers. It's like feature A was adopted by 37% of our customers, but that matters because the you know head of sales means that that impacted 22 deals, which resulted in us hitting our quota for this year right? Yada, yada. But that's the sort of thing when you have that conversation, it's much more interesting to someone outside of product to, to know that you're, you're interested in their success as well. And that's, I think what's weird about product is that it's basically about making sure everybody else in the organization is successful, right? And your success is really tied to them directly rather than the other way around. Yeah. I like that idea of having that shared metric to make sure that there is alignment between the teams. And like you were saying, it also then forces that there's some sort of regular conversation to make sure that you are on pace for it. Um, when you're working with these other team members, how often do you find that you are actually meeting with them? Do you spend most of your time sitting with engineering or what would you say the split is, um, in your conversation between working with engineering versus working with the, the other stakeholders. It's hard to say because this, from the slicing perspective, like I look at it as a life cycle element, but I would say it it generally ends up probably being about a third, you know, PM engineering time and then sales marketing, customer support kind of being the other two thirds of it with a bit sliced up with, uh, you know, design time, obviously it's everything else, but I think about that, that's my kind of mental split is probably a third of my time I spend with engineering. And then depending on what month it is or what part of the month it is, um, you know, that, that kind of dictates how much time I'll be spending with the other teams. Okay. That's, um, sort of a a good 30,000 foot view of where the time allocation goes and interesting to know um that's that's actually i think a fairly high number to ensure that you are making sure that those relationships are strong which certainly i think goes back and aligns with everything you were talking about before let's keep in mind sorry just to clarify there one thing is like you know obviously i spent a ton of time with customers too right like we're just talking about the internals but so you know keeping all that as a yeah, it's, it's tough to keep that balance, but it's that's the thing is I don't think it's a constant balance. I think I go into times where I spend two, three weeks just doing customer events, going seeing a bunch of customers on sites, and and then I don't see a customer for maybe two or three weeks, right? So it's a day in the life of a product manager is usually the month in the life of a product manager, I find. Um, are there, um, regular things that you're doing on a daily basis to make sure that you are staying on top of all these different requirements? What does a, uh, a typical day look like in your world? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, it's tough, very frankly, like that's, I, you know, I speak with, uh, 
product people who try to create products for product people to keep track of product requirements. And uh, it's not a simple thing. And there's a lot of things that can slip through the cracks. But um, one thing I try to do is on a weekly basis, I try to have one item, I actually have a browser plugin thing. Um, I think it's called Momentum, but it basically says focus on one thing per week that's strategic. And so from there, um, that's kind of what I use just to focus myself and bring myself back to it. Uh, so I, it, that's my way of keeping on track in terms of per- particular strategic things that need to get done on an ongoing basis. And I find that then that just kind of informs me tactically that week. You know what, did I get, did I take care of that strategically important thing? And were there three other things that were kind of of importance as well? So it really just brings my kind of makes me mindful of the strategic things that I need to make sure I'm on top of. Making sure you're not spending all of your time putting out the burning fires. That's right. So Aaron, wanted to also ask you, um, do you have any resources that you would recommend for somebody in product? Sure. Um, I'm a big fan of Mind the Product. It's, a, it's an organization and also has a community uh, that you can tap into. It's got a Slack uh, you know, group that, it's great for tapping into different folks. Um, it's available at mindtheproduct.com, I think, but they have a great uh, annual conference as well. Really enjoyed going to that. I was going to say one other thing that really comes to my mind is like uh, some mental models. So there's this uh, on Y Combinator. If you search for mental models, actually, I find it's uh, there's some great resources that come up for product people. And just gives you a great way of, you know, how do you look at the world through the eyes of a product manager? And uh, I find that Hacker News is always just a great uh, resource for that sort of stuff. Okay, so mind the product, definitely something to check out. And um, Y Combinator's information on thinking about the world and product through the mind of a uh, a product manager is a, a second one to explore. Great. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk through your experience with product and uh, building relationships with uh, with your team members. It's uh, been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thanks so much, Dan. I really appreciate your time. Thanks again to Aaron for outlining how he thinks about building relationships with other teams. If you would like to hear more interviews from people working in and with product, please subscribe to The Why and the What wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back with another interview soon.